From Cathedral Hill in St. Paul, Minnesota, this is The Other Eleven, a podcast about the good, the bad, and the ugly of mental and behavioral health. My name is Andy Tiemann. It's almost Thanksgiving, and we're back in the studio to arm you with some scientific sound bites to unleash at the Thanksgiving dinner table. Specifically, we're talking about gratitude and the chemicals it releases to rewire your brain to resist doom and gloom and access positivity and happiness a little more easily, even in these cold, dark, early days of winter. Let's dive in. There are chemical equations I know. on your note sheet. I told you I was going to tell you about our brain on gratitude. Let's, let's hear it. Well, we chatted a little bit about gratitude, and the initial reaction was, ah, I'm so sick of talking about gratitude. It's that time of year, and you know, I have to be thankful and all these things. What about me? Um, and it got me thinking about, you know, we're science research, you know, driven company. And what really does the research and the science say about the effects of gratitude on our brain? First of all, everybody, we all know what dopamine is. Dopamine is, is a chemical that gets released in your brain that uh, triggers positive emotions. So it's why after it happens when you go for a run, it happens when you work out, that feeling of, you know, positivity and, um, you know, euphoria, even, euphoria right? sometimes, yes, comes from that behavior. So there's science that says that when we express gratitude, that, you know, our brainstem produces dopamine, which makes us feel good, right? And we want more of a thing that makes us feel good. So it's this, you know, addicted to happiness process that happens in our brain every time we practice it. It triggers positive emotions. We feel optimistic, you know, so that if you continue to build that over time, you can build a practice of gratitude and feel better. That's the science. The other thing that's happening is it is releasing serotonin and serotonin. <laughs> You're looking at me like I'm crazy. No, I'm just keep going. Serotonin is the happy molecule. It's actually the natural antidepressant. Dopamine gets released. You know, it's not long lasting. It's a, it's a. It's referred know. to as a hit. Exactly. The drug lingo. Yes. Well, yeah. you know, your brain you on drugs. This real. is your brain on gratitude. It's like a, a dose of dopamine, a shot of serotonin. So like the, the two often are seen together. So with the serotonin, when we reflect uh, or write down the positive things going on in our life or work, the brain also releases serotonin. And serotonin enhances our mood and our willpower and our motivation. It's considered the happy molecule. And the most fascinating part is the more that we activate these gratitude circuits in our brain, the stronger the neural pathways become and the more likely we are to recognize what's going right instead of looking at the problem. So it actually creates a shift. So that saying that people can't change, you know, absolutely people can change. And, you know, there's a Hebb's law says that neurons that fire together wire together, which means if you are firing neurons together, right, they are going to take that path always in the brain. So you are going to, in, you know, it's like a habit. Over time, practicing gratitude turns you into a more self-motivated, intrinsically, you know, motivated, kind, and compassionate person. So there's actual science behind the practice of gratitude. Heb's Law. Heb's Law. You know, if this podcast actually had, you know, a real significant following where, like, people wrote in or called in or put notes in, 
you know, I just wonder if the board would be lighting up with like, you know, the head of, you know, doctorology over at the U of M, you totally. know, you know, they'd be like, oh, I'd love to join this discussion. I knew him. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good guy. Real happy. Thank so this that. idea of like hugs and high fives, you know, like the practice of gratitude does have scientific proven benefit, right? It's not some, you know, pie in the sky, you write it down in a journal, uh, you know, it would make you feel better kind of strategy. It's an actual strategy that does produce chemicals in the brain that makes you feel better. It's not a question of. And if you can shift, if you can build those neural pathways and enhance those neural networks, you will be more inclined during the day or through the course of your life to go there first instead of going to the doom and gloom, everything, you know, poor me mentality. But you have to practice it in order to get it. There's even research to show, so the naysayers out there would would ask, well, that sounds great for somebody who's high-functioning, has good mental health, but actually there was a study that was done. They took 300 students and divided them into groups. These 300 students were seeking therapy from their student union or student mental health center because they were experiencing poor mental health, right? They were in a, in a crisis. And so they divided them into three groups, and one of the groups was asked to practice, in addition to therapy, uh, a gratitude log and expressing gratitude and writing it down. And so it's, you know, there's science and evidence to suggest that even when you don't have high functioning, um, you know, positive mental health, that it can improve your mood, your functioning, and do have the same effect on your brain. So it's not just a tool for people that are high functioning and have good mental health today. It's a tool that combined with therapy and other um, clinical interventions can be very powerful in helping people recover. Hmm. And, this, and plasticity comes from the repetition of the practice, right? Yes, yeah, the so, ability, the brain's yeah. ability to, you know, continually form new so, neural so connections. So resurrecting it once a year on Thanksgiving at dinner, it, it can't counteract the tryptophan. You got to, you got to keep after it all year long. If you want to be the kind of person that goes to the gym every day, then all you have to do is wake up every morning and be the kind of person that goes to the gym every day, right? It's small steps. And it doesn't even mean you have to go to the gym and have an hour long workout. It just means get up and move. Like just start now. Be the person. If that's who you want to be and that's the life that you want to create, start small and every day find a way to work out. Getting those neurons to fire together over time, which creates the pathway, which will become the habit. So you'll get out of bed, wake up and go to the gym without thinking about it. Be a great name for a gym. Heb's law. <laughs> Heb's law. So anyway, there are, instead of thinking about Thanksgiving and holidays and this idea that gratitude has to be a practice uh, where I show up and I tell people I'm not really grateful for that I'm grateful for them and you know, I go and volunteer my time. Instead, think about it as investing in your own mental health. Think about it as a, another tool that we have that can really uh, put us in an awesome place so that we can be of use and service to others. And I have a bet that 100 years from now, all of this will be quantifiable, these things that we're talking about, right? It'll be uh, quantifiable, measurable, and CMS will have a code for it and a way to treat it and pricing for it and all those things. But still today, I think we have this realm of um, physical health that's uh, 
understood, right? The old doctor comes to your house with the black bag, like he can treat these things, and then all the other stuff. Because it has this unfair um, attachment to, you know, mysticism or religion or uh, fantastical things that can't be proven. Therefore, if you can't prove it, ergo, it must not be real. Well, I would go, that's back to like, the world is flat. I think needing proof and believing because you have evidence of something is two very different things. I think, you know, one is putting up a wall and one is taking one down. I'm going to be open to the idea that there is foundational evidence to suggest that this is true, right? I wonder if something in the mix also is the, there's an easy button here that is antidepressants, right? They're happy pills. That's what they call them. The point of having a practice of gratitude isn't to remedy a clinical diagnosis, right? right? It, it right, can right, be right, used right. in conjunction with, right? It's a tool. So if you mm -hmm. think about the tools in your toolbox and the why behind a lot of the you know recommendations that you may get, if you're having a bad day and someone says, try going to the gym, try going, you know, for a walk, try uh, having some gratitude, making a list. They're saying those things because they're there's scientific evidence to suggest that short term they produce dopamine and serotonin in the brain. And there's a difference between one bad day on a Wednesday versus 300 days in a row. Of, I, I get it. But you can build yeah. those neuropathways so that they become the default, like any habit, right? So the more that you practice a thing, the more the, that that neuropathway, and, and we always talk about like an anthill or a, or a hill, uh, think of soft dirt. And it starts to rain. And the droplets, as they wind down that dirt mound, uh, create a track in the mound. And that track becomes the habit, becomes the pathway that is the known pathway. And it's very hard to get a new droplet to fall and take any other path, right? It becomes the path of least resistance. And so when you don't have a practice of gratitude and you aren't doing those things on a regular basis... You may have the path that immediately goes to poor me. Um, I'm having a bad day and it's, you know, it's everybody else's fault when you could start to build some neuroplasticity and, and turn your brain around, right? And get the benefit of practicing that on a regular basis. It feels still like our discussion's a little esoteric. Can you bring it down to earth? Sure. So instead of waking up every morning and getting out of bed and going to the gym, Wake up every morning, get out a piece of paper, and spend five minutes writing down the things that you're grateful for. You know, have a gratitude practice. Uh, and a gratitude journal is a great way to start. The, the act of writing and the concentration that's needed to put something on paper and that reflection, that time that it takes, will go a long way in building that habit. So I would say start there. Just like wake up and get your gym clothes on, whether you make it out the door or not, right? It's small steps towards a larger goal. So let's say I do that and I'm doing a I'm journaling for 10 minutes every morning. And that's my first step. It's like putting on my running clothes. What's the next step? Like, what's the goal? Like if the dream is I'm going to CrossFit every day and I'm just, you know, winning at the uh, physicality of being in shape, what's the long-term metric for this? So I think if the, the theory is that every time your brain it moves towards other centeredness, 
you know, it creates a whole bunch of positive things that happen. You become intrinsically motivated. You, um, you know, build your culture builder instead of somebody who, you know, is always looking on, you know, the dark side or the, you know, the negative side of things. Having that gratitude practice of writing things down will start to build the pathway that your brain um, will maybe take with less resistance. So once you have that practice built, you can start to, you know, build other habits around taking time to express your gratitude towards others, right? Instead of making it just about holding that in in and having it benefit, you know, only you, maybe you go as far as to make a habit out of every day telling somebody in your life the things that you are grateful for that they have done that really you know, make you happy to be their friend or to know them, right? So it builds connection and connectivity to community. Um, I think it also, in its, in my my opinion, in its greatest form, it creates other-centeredness in a community and in a society. So if you have like a difference between have and have nots, right? And not in the in the monetary sense, in the serotonin and dopamine sense, right? Like there are people who are building that bank and have the ability to do that. And you never know the impact of how your actions of expressing your gratitude may be received. And so I think putting yourself out in the world in that way, because you are practicing gratitude, and you are making it a part of your daily, you know, interactions, is giving back in a way that maybe you don't even realize that didn't take much effort to somebody who is a have not who doesn't have the practice and doesn't have, you know, hasn't built uh, that neuropathway, and you're giving them an opportunity to experience that, and maybe then they also start to go there first, defer to the, you know, attitude of gratitude, if you will. You know, the simplest way to look at it is that if you find yourself like you wake up every morning and it's poor me, and it's, you know, I hate my life, and I have to go to work, and on and on and on. It's a shift in your attitude, a shift, a small shift in the direction of. I have a job. I get to wake up and go to my job where I'm liked. I have people that I don't mind sitting next to, right? I mean, it's 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 literally in that very shift that you take the time to make in your brain actually produces the happiness molecule. So by default, by stopping and recognizing that that's happening and starting to change that habit, you will by default become a happier, more you know, optimistic person. Well, now let's list out loud all of the people who should <laughs> listen to this. You know, there are people in my head right now that are like, God, I, I, if they just would shift a little, like they'd be happier and so would I. It's not that hard, but it is. And that I think that's the hurdle, right? That some people just, when you get that dark, negative, unappreciative, whatever it is, it's hard to dig out. Right. And that's the small steps thing. It's isolating, though, and lonely. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it has a whole bunch of uh, selfishness isolates you. Right. I mean, it's not a community builder. It's not, you know, like you said, you, you, you don't enjoy spending time with those people. And you probably don't go to them as the first, you know, choice on your let's go grab dinner or let's have a fun right. evening list. Right. Right. Solitary confinement is the worst form of punishment we have in our judicial system today. The worst thing you can do to a human being is take them away from all of friends, family, human contact, and leave them in a room by themselves for extended periods of time. And I think what you're pointing at is that when we're sick, we're not doing well. When 
all of our attention is inwardly focused, we got monkey mind, right? We're locked inside of the four walls of our own brain. And all we can do is, you know, we can't, when I look out into this room, uh, I can't conceive of anything even beyond these four walls, you know, and you guys are almost really just shadows, you know, you're ancillary to me, right? I'm the sun and you guys sort of circle around me. And that's not conceptually how the real world works, right? We're all in harmony in a system interrelated and we all depend upon each other. But when my brain is functioning poorly, that's the perception that I take on. And that I think is correlative with illness. And that's the vicious cycle, right? The, the, the darker, the worse, the more everyone becomes a shadow and you get trapped, the more you, you more insular you become, it gets harder to dig out. Yeah. Well, it's, it's why gratitude, if you look at it, and I know we, we were joking about, you know, oh God, it's gratitude time of year. But if you look at gratitude as a gift that you have the ability to give to somebody else, and that gift not only brings you great joy, but it potentially brings somebody else some, some light into the darkness of whatever's going on in their world. Um, it becomes something that is m much greater than just an act of thanksgiving or an act of, you know, practicing gratefulness, right? It becomes the greatest gift that we can give to others, to society, right? I mean, to show up and provide um, for somebody else or do a thing that not only makes us feel better, but makes the world a better place is an amazing concept. And it's free and it's and totally it's, in that's your right. grasp. Yeah. So here's something interesting. So it's, um, it's the beginning of November in St. Paul, Minnesota, where we are. So the northern latitudes of the United States, it's dark when I wake up. It's dark when I come home from work. Yes. All of a sudden, the world has dramatically changed from what it was like just, you know, a couple weeks ago. And everybody's like whining about it, complaining it's dark outside. So what I wonder is, we have, we call it Thanksgiving, right? You know, we got the pilgrims pulling up to Plymouth Rock and having lunch with the locals. And, you know, there's all kinds of history back there. Uh, but we call it Thanksgiving today, right? Which is this time of renewal and coming together and and generating gratitude as a as a group effort on this particular day. And then we roll into Christmas, which is a time of redemption and hope. We don't celebrate this on June 21st, the longest day of the year when we're all out running around in the sun. We do it as the skies get darker and we spend more time inside. Of we don't have enough. We can't generate enough serotonin or good things in our brain because of the darkness. So we have to effectively create holidays to help us manufacture it to get through. I like that. So does Hallmark. I think it's true. You know, you're going around the table on Thanksgiving and everyone has to say what they're grateful for. Like as exhausting and difficult as that might be, it's probably a good idea. Do it anyway. And maybe it's a catalyst. It's a, the, that's the start. Can't crack open the journal tomorrow morning. Fine. Do it on Black Friday or whatever. Be thankful for the deals you're going to get it. Best Buy. So I was listening to a different podcast. <clears throat> Not that I don't obsessively listen to our own, but I really did. I tuned into a different podcast the other day. The guy who was running the podcast was interviewing somebody and he said, you know, what are you most proud of in your life? And the guy answered, well, my children. And he goes, nope, you can't say my children. He goes, I ask every guest that and they always say my children. It's disallowed. Of course, we're all proud of our children. He goes, so you got to really answer the question. And I think that goes for gratitude too, right? Yeah. There's cop-outs to when you go around the uh, That's a good challenge. How about this? What about this? if, yeah, I mean, you can't waking say everyone's up. sitting at this table yeah. when you're asked the question at Thanksgiving. That's right. I think how nice if you can wake up every morning and truly be proud of the person you choose to be every day. 
right? That's a choice. Like you get to wake up and go through the world in whatever way you choose. You can be the angry guy yelling at people at the stop sign. The world is against you. A choice to to live your life through the lens of gratitude and what I have instead of what I don't or who I am honored with spending time, you know, in my life, who I get to hang out with, who I get to build relationships with, um, and start using the I get to instead of I have to mentality. So in Alcoholics Anonymous, it gets presented as um, the goal on a daily basis is to be a maximum use and service to the people about me. So there's lots of There's lots of directives in Alcoholics Anonymous, but if you try and distill it to sort of one main directive on a daily basis, it's get out of my own head, stop worrying about me and my problems, and figure out as I get dressed and come into the studio with you guys and I got the day in front of me, how can I be of maximum use and service to Jackie and Andy and whoever else I encounter uh, along the way today? And so tied to that, uh, I learned this a long time ago. A guy taught me a prayer. And so uh, I wasn't was raised in the church and the Episcopal Church was my family. We weren't like a super religious family. It was more sort of formal and, uh, you know, it's what we did as a neighborhood. But uh, I have incorporated a prayer in my daily life that I say when I wake up in the morning and in the evening. The prayer is this. Uh, it's God, give me the strength and show me the way. So I'm not asking for anything. I'm not putting anything specific out there. All I want is direction, right? So... Uh, give me the strength to do whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing and show me the way uh, so that, right, so it's dot, 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 I can be of use and service. So in my way, right, there's lots of ways to attack this. I'm trying to open up a pathway, right, a, a little roll down the anthill um, that gets me away from me, right, trapped inside my own four walls and forces me to focus on Jacqueline, Andy, the folks that I ran into at the coffee shop this morning, whoever we're going to have lunch with next. Uh, what can it, I give instead of what can I get? Yes. Which, which is, is exactly the shift in mentality we're talking about. And that's what we teach our kids for Christmas, right? That it's not about getting the fire truck and the Legos and the things, but like, what are you going to give? Yeah. What do you have to give? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be material, right? Maybe what you have to give is time. somebody else your time. Exactly. Time is actually our most valuable Resource. So, so at Thanksgiving, I'm going to be like, I'm thankful for my willingness to sit at this table with you people. <laughs> that I give myself to you. With video. I want to see people's faces. But yes. I mean, uh, that's a, that's more real. And it's actually more helpful. I could have been home playing video games, eating pizza. But no, I'm giving the gift of me to you. <laughs> You should totally do that with my but family on Thanksgiving. Face, just, and then just yeah. take a big bite of something. It would be a long silence and I'd have to explain it. It'd be hard. It'd be hard. And since we avoid hard, that yeah, you know, know. would be something we wouldn't do. For sure. But you could write about it in your journal later. And that's right. I'll journal about mm-hmm. it. What I like as the straight man here is that uh, I, I get pushed into this position here as the least spiritually developed of the three people in the room. You which put I'm glad to squarely take. in that position. Let's just be clear. <laughs> hey, you're the first person to pray on the podcast. So you, that's some points. Yeah. Well, thanks to Heb for oh, the law. Oh, Heb. Do we know more about? Who he, was Heb? He, man, he, woman? His first name. Was that his first name? Last hey. name. Neurons that fire together, wire together, but meaning is that things this, that... This Ruby? semester, this year, this century, how old is this Heb? Henry. Oh, I would have to go back. Hank. You can name him whatever you'd like. Hank Just Heb. remember that with habitual practice comes ongoing benefit because now it's the default. 
Heb's Law. Heb's Law. Neurons that fire together, wire together. Well, there you have it. Gratitude, dopamine, serotonin, a short prayer, and a strategy to diffuse doom and gloom. Pretty great. For all of you driving over the river and through the woods, I hope this podcast finds you well. And by the way, Heb, his name was Donald. Dr. Donald Heb. God rest his soul. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs>